We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. We're talking quarterback stacks and breakout tight ends on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. We're talking quarterback stacks. Originally, Curtis, I had planned on saying quarterback wide receiver stacks, but it occurred to me that with some of these top level tight ends, I actually should just say quarterback stacks because maybe we want to sprinkle in some of these tight ends. I'd ask you how you're doing. But I'm so pumped to talk about stacks. Let's just get into it. What are some of your favorite quarterback stacks for the 2021 season? Uh, well, I'm, I'll first go to the ones that I own the most of because uh, I don't ha- always have access like to my favorite ones. Uh, yep. We were talking as we were planning this episode, you know, like about, you know, hey, you know, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins is an awesome stack. Well, <laughs> from, from from an ADP perspective, it's a really expensive stack. Um, yep. You know, you've got to go, you've got to go Kyler in, in round four or five at the latest. Um, and that pushes us off early tight end probably to do that. And I don't want to derail with a, a strategy um, talk here because we're, we're talking about the players. But access to a stack is determined by how you're going to build a, a team. Um, and so this isn't necessarily the stacks I think that will perform the best, um, but they might be the stacks that I think are the easiest to, uh, to build on your squad yeah. um, without like forcing it in a way 
that um, it, it, it can make you veer from your desired draft strategy. So my number one owned stack is, is Matthew Stafford, Cooper cup. Um, I, I've got a lot of Cooper cup. We've talked about it on the show. I've talked about Cooper cup pretty much incessantly. I've probably had people mute me on Twitter this year because of how much <laughs> I've talked about Cooper cup. Uh, I've got over 40% exposure to him across 50 plus best ball drafts. It's just, uh, I haven't been able to stop. He hasn't risen to the point where I'm not happy with it yet. And, and Stafford, I think, He's in that nice range where, you know, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to overdraft him, even though like the situation, like the tea leaves of what's going to happen for the Rams this year, is probably that the passing game is going to explode. We did a, we did a, you know, a little bit of a deep dive on that offense probably about six weeks ago. And, uh, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, the pieces that they brought in, uh, not just Stafford, but also the, the, the pieces in the passing game that they've added at the wide receiver position with Deshaun Jackson and Tutu Atwell. Um, and, and, you know, I think Goff uh, leaving, um, it was a, was really a symptom of that offense, not achieving, you know, the explosive upside that they would like to get back to. Um, and, and Stafford certainly has the big arm. So, you know, I, I think cup uh, has a lot of target upside and, and I do have some woods as well, but their ADPs are, very similar. And I've just found myself opting for cup in those spots. Um, another frequent, uh, well, first off, I'll, I'll pause there. You know, what do you think about that? What it's going to typically cost you is, you know, a fourth round pick on cup. And then you know, you're going to, you're really to be sure you're going to get Stafford. You're talking probably round nine or around 10. If you want to be sure, uh, you can get him. Yeah, I would be okay with that. Um, Especially if you are going into this draft with the goal of stacking, then I think it's a very nice selection of team and quarterback wide receiver combo to do it with. Cause I would be very happy about taking cup in the fourth just by himself. And then in a lot of leagues, and I think we probably hit upon this in last episode, we're seeing a lot of quarterbacks creeping up and this isn't even just in best ball drafts pretty early. Um, so as a result of that, uh, you know, like in those other rounds where other teams are taking quarterbacks this year, you're getting a pretty solid group of players in those picks. So coming back around in like round nine or 10 to get Stafford, I'm all right with um, I might not have Stafford as high as some people might expect going into this year. But if your goal is for the stack, then I like it. OK, yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, another popular, uh, stack, this is probably my second most owned stack. And I'm glad you made the comment around, um, tight ends because <laughs> I, you know, this wasn't one that I was, you know, typically would have been top of mind, but it caused me to look, uh, at, at my ownership percentages is actually Darren Waller and, and Derek Carr. Um, you know, I, I, especially earlier in the off season before, uh, it, it really became in vogue, uh, to, to, see Waller go in like the first round of the FFPC best ball drafts. Uh, of course it's tight end premium over there, but you also see Waller, you know, really going and being pushed into that, you know, mid second, even like on underdog where we're talking half PPR um, just because of the, the positional advantage uh, that he brings. And so Derek Carr is just so cheap for the upside that he has in the offense. Uh, if, if you think there's a iteration of the 2021 season where Henry Ruggs uh, and John Brown are, are actually more explosive uh, downfield versions of what they had in, in Nelson Aguilar. 
uh, last year. And, and then you have Waller on top of it. I mean, you actually could see career year for Derek Carr. And I think that's, that's, you know, we talk about our range of outcomes tool. I think that's, you know, it may not be the, 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 the median outcome uh, for Carr this year, but it's certainly within his range um, to post some, some really big time numbers um, this year. And he's very cheap. And so I find myself gravitating towards Derek Carr in builds where, you know, I'm selecting three quarterbacks. Um, so, so yeah, that's my number two on stack. And, and I actually, one of my, it wouldn't be my number three, but one of my probably top six on stacks would actually be are with a pass catcher um, earlier in the off season. It was John Brown. I'm, I'm now trending more towards Henry Ruggs in that spot. I even have a mega stack in, in one draft where it's like a, it's like a Raiders onslaught draft. And it was uh, Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs, Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro in the final round um, because it was a, a team where I wanted nine wide receivers. So what, what do you think maybe about that offense? And, and in particular, maybe the, uh, the Waller and either Ruggs uh, with Carr. Yeah, I actually like that. And one of the main reasons is the price of Derek Carr is actually pretty solid for a player that really could flirt with a, like, I'm not expecting him to finish as a QB one, but he could come pretty close. I think that when you look at the way the offense functioned last year and some of the weeks that Derek Carr had, you might be kind of surprised. And I do think it's possible we see them take a bit of a step forward. And I find the one with rugs, especially um, interesting because it's something that you really don't need many things to align for you to be able to do. Uh, like Waller, I really like, but in some drafts, it's going to be hard to get him. So I find that Ruggs one really interesting as well, because it's easy to see how if Ruggs is able to be more of what we thought he was in this offense in year two, the year that we know wide receivers generally take their biggest step forward. If they're going to take a big step, some of the faces are changing there. You know, if that starts to work out, you're getting in on a pretty nice stack pretty late. And like I said, I think that Derek Carr is going to do better than most people expect. And as far as fantasy quarterbacks go, like I don't hate having him as my option heading into this year. So I actually, I, I like that stack. Yeah. I think even in traditional redraft leagues, it's kind of a sneaky way. If you're going to be, a, you know, if you're a type of owner that wants to stream um, and you're, and you're going to select two in your redraft league, you're not a, maybe a waiver wire hammerer, but you don't mind streaming between the two quarterbacks you select. He's an interesting option. And it goes back to, you know, I think this term's used a lot, but I, I think it's for good reason. You know, you're, especially in a tournament, like your, your draft or your roster approach needs to kind of tell a story. And Darren Waller's going to get his either way. But if Derek Carr is to take a step forward, you can see how that would be tied to a Henry Ruggs breakout. Yep. Um, so pairing those two in some ways may even make a lot more sense than just, you know, taking Carr with Waller is really a function of just the value. Taking Carr with Ruggs is more, you know, kind of telling that that story. And and that's actually a triple stack that that I really don't mind either. Um, if if you have access to uh, if you have access to Darren Waller um, at at a appropriate price point in your draft, uh, another another stack. And, and this is a quarterback I've taken naked most of the time. Um, but because stacking isn't something that I'm forcing in my drafts, uh, it ends up being my third uh, most frequent stack this year is J is Jalen hurts with Jalen Rager. 
Um, so Jalen Hurts is my most owned uh, fantasy quarterback this year. Um, but in in 15% of my drafts, uh, I, I also own Jalen Rager on that squad. There's a couple stacks with, with Dallas Goddard. Um, Devontae Smith has risen to a level where I don't think it makes as much sense to, to target him, considering that we were also very high on Rager as a prospect. And I think it's easy to explain away why Rager's rookie season go very well. You know, you had the, the quarterback turnover, Wentz just being really horrible. You had a finger injury that really derailed uh, Rager at, at the end of the uh, the preseason or it might've been in week one, but he, he missed most of September and it just really threw him out of a cadence where, uh, you know, he could assert himself in the offense. And, and by the time he started making any headway at all, you know, then there's a quarterback change and uh, Hertz was basically, you know, run first quarterback uh, l- last year. So, you know, now Devonte Smith brought in to be the alpha, he's got the hammy issue and, and Rager is running as the number one wide receiver. Um, over the last week in camp, uh, he, he missed part of, uh, the beginning of, of training camp due, um, to some personal reasons. Uh, there's a, a death of a, a loved one. And then, you know, he failed his physical, uh, as, as a result of, of not being mentally prepared. But as, as soon as he, uh, started suiting up, you know, with the squad, I mean, he's really been kind of leading the fray there. So that is a stack that, that I like. It's a pretty cheap one when you consider the upside of the players. So Jalen Hurts, he's being selected at, at quarterback 12, but that's probably either way too low or way too high when, <laughs> when the season is, is said and done, right? Like, I mean, yep. it, w- it would honestly, man, it would not surprise me if Jalen Hurts outscores Lamar Jackson this year. Like, I just think, I mean, that's the type of upside that he has um, if he is the real deal. Um, but, you know, he could also not pan out at all, you know, get benched by mid-October. with the cheapest pass catcher in an offense that's not going to pass first, but, uh, but pairing him with the cheapest pass catcher that could pop. Uh, that was kind of my thinking behind that, both Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith costing more. Uh, so what do you think about that Philly stack, Dave? The Philly stack one is really, that's another one I think that is interesting just because there's really a couple of reasons. One, you can get in on it cheap. Two, I think it's one that's not going to be that popular because a lot of people, I know there's talk about them, uh, about the team taking a step forward, but I think that people tend to kind of anchor to what they saw last year. This is going to be a pretty different team this year. I like the idea that you're getting in on these young players and there's just so much upside with Hertz. So that's a a pretty nifty one as well. I think that, um, you know, it, the play Devonta Smith. It's interesting how like um, you just go back to when we first saw this recruit, recruiting class. I was excited, but couldn't get too excited. And as we start to get closer and closer to actually seeing him in the NFL, I'm starting to get more and more excited. So I've actually been making notes to myself during drafts that I need to start trying to get some exposure to him. So I like that one as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. I mean, he's going in the mid eighth as wide receiver thirty six uh, over the past you know, month. Um, but he's going in a range with some other pretty attractive targets that are, that still have some upside, but are also, uh, somewhat safe. Like Tyler Boyd, um, is going right in that range. You know, we talked about the Bengals offense last episode, uh, Debo Samuel, 
uh, LaVisca Chenault and Antonio Brown also all with eighth round wide receiver ADPs. And I think, you, you know, all of those are actually pretty solid targets in that range. Um, and speaking of Antonio Brown, um, uh, the, there's two more stacks I want to talk about. One of those is just Tom Brady with any of his top three uh, wide receivers. I think all three of the the primary wide yep. receivers are fairly priced. Um, I, I wouldn't say that any of them are values at this point. There was a time, you know, 60 to 90 days ago when Antonio Brown was a, a pretty solid value, uh, but he was going, you know, two and a half rounds earlier um, in, in many, in many drafts or two, two and a half rounds later, rather in, in many drafts. Um, but I, I, I think the bucks, I mean, you know, one thing that's so comforting in fantasy with all the uncertainty uh, that we have, you know, changing in coordinators, changing in head coaches, changing in, you know, surrounding teammates and staff, the bucks, they're just running the whole damn thing back that they did last year. It's literally the same offense uh, that in it's the same coaching staff. And so it, you know, while Antonio Brown's kind of late season uh, surge complicates what could happen with target shares, we, we know there's enough, on the bone uh, for all three of these receivers. And I would still expect Evans and Godwin to be the primary focus of that offense. So, you know, taking Mike Evans in, I mean, geez, uh, in round four, Chris Godwin in round four, um, when either one of them, you can easily see finishing as a top, you know, eight to 10 wide receiver. I think they're both good values in that range. So, you know, you're not reaching Tom Brady's going at QB nine at the top of the eighth round. But, you know, he's going in and he's actually going around with actually all four of these quarterbacks are among my top five uh, that I'm stacking with. It's actually Brady, Stafford, Tannehill and Hertz. So you, know, you can see that I'm targeting quarterback in round eight uh, as I typically try to stick to a two QB build and try to draft two of those quarterbacks between like round six and ten, um, yeah. typically six and nine, actually. Uh so, you know, that's, that's a, that's a nice one of those three bucks, Dave, is there a particular one that you would prefer to stack with Brady? Well, so, you know, it's funny that you talked about a couple of, I forget the exact range that you used, but the stack that I was loving was Antonio Brown and Tom Brady. I have been saying now for a while, and it seems like people are starting to catch on that we should be viewing Antonio Brown as a player that has a very realistic chance of finishing inside the top 36 and i actually think it's possible that he finishes inside the top 24 uh you know not as likely as godwin and evans finishing in there um but that was the stack that i was really going with i don't really know at when you're considering the three bucks receivers adp if there's any one of them that i like more than the other um so my actual preferred stack would be to even try to get one of edwin uh of evans or godwin then stack them with antonio brown or brady that can get a little bit tricky because brady and antonio brown have adps currently that are somewhat in the same range so it's possible that you could see it uh you know you're setting up for it and then maybe brown gets taken a couple picks before it gets back to you but I think that this team is going to pass for a ton of yardage. I think there's going to be a ton of touchdowns and there's going to be a lot of attempts where I've heard people say things like, Oh, you know, Brady doesn't like Godwin. He likes Evans and Antonio Brown more. Well, fine. Like I still think that Godwin could get seven, eight targets a game, which would be, you know, perfectly fine. Um, so I really like that stack. I've, I feel pretty good about Tampa Bay for all the reasons that you mentioned. And that's one I'm going to be trying to hit pretty aggressively. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I like your note there. Um, their, their ADPs, Tom Brady and Antonio Brown, have really um, kind of merged, and they're both eight round, eighth round selections now. Um, but of course, you know, ADP is the average, and you know, it's still possible to get that stack if if AB falls a little bit. Yep. Um, or you would have to be a little aggressive on Brady, so you have to force it more, and that's why I've just you know earlier in the off season it was Brady with Brown. Yep. Um, now I'm finding myself getting the exposure, you know, to Evans or Godwin with Brady because I don't, I don't want to force uh, an earlier selection of Brady than I would prefer just to have access to around data Antonio Brown. Um, and then, you know, the last one that I'll mention here, another, another quarterback in the range, I'm not making this stack as much as I did back like in March, uh, March through June, I was doing this quite a bit was Ryan Tannehill with Julio Jones. Um, I, I have mm-hmm. quite a bit of that. I'm not really doing it anymore. Um, but I like the idea of the Titans offense being in transition. Um, we have a new, you know, signal caller. Arthur Smith is gone. Um, Derek Henry coming off the massive 400 plus touch season. You know, I think there are, there are versions of, uh, and Ben Gretsch, he, Ben Gretsch, one of my favorite articles that he wrote in 2020. And, you know, I love Ben. Uh, he's, He's a good friend in the industry, obviously former Rotovizian. And, you know, now um, he's, he's, you know, sharing stealing bananas with Sean Siegel, which is, you know, an awesome addition to Rotoviz radio. Uh, but Ben wrote a really cool piece that, that made me think about, um, you know, goes back to, you know, telling a story Well, telling a story of a team, you know, and, and he kind of got into this. Well, what would happen if, if it wasn't all about Derrick Henry uh, in Tennessee? And this was actually written in 2020 but I actually think maybe it was just a year early and we've seen, you know, you know, Derek Henry, he's a beast. Uh, you know, he's an all time kind of outlier in terms of his physique <laughs> and, uh, as a player. And if, if any, any back can continue to trot out the 400 plus touch season and produce like he does, you know, he's probably the one that can do it. Um, but it's still something that you kind of like to bet against. Um, and I don't have like any exposure to Derek Henry and in, in fantasy this year, 
Um, so I like the idea of targeting the passing game there instead. Um, and that was kind of my thinking, you know, with that stack, are you still interested in a Titans stack? And, you know, do you prefer like AJ Brown at two twelve uh, with round eight, Ryan Tannehill, or, you know, would you prefer, you know, Julio Jones uh, in round five with Tannehill instead? You know, I'm kind of um, ambivalent between the two options to some extent, but I think that I like the AJ Brown and Tannehill stack a little bit more uh, just given that I'd be pretty excited about getting AJ Brown in round two. Um, generally I feel good when I get to start with like Adams, Diggs, Hill, and then AJ Brown. I really like that start. I expect that AJ Brown, it's hard to imagine him not having a season where he is drawing a significant portion of that workload and then turning, you know, in quality production with that. And the other reason that I like it is Tannehill. I'm finding for whatever reason tends to slip in these drafts. And I think he seems to be going normally in the leagues that I'm in as like the last quarterback that people would be viewing as a QB one as a starter. So I like being able to play the quarterback chicken there and then, you know, not needing to force my way into pairing my, my quarterback with my top wide receiver, uh, which I think is pretty appealing. So if I had to choose, that's the one that I like more. Uh, but that's actually a stack that I hadn't really thought about that much more. But like I said, given that it's easy to execute on, um, and you can kind of, to some extent, have your cake and eat it too, because you're not forcing the quarterback. And that's a point in the draft too, where lots of times with the builds that I have, it just makes sense to take a quarterback because there's not really running backs at that point that work for what I'm trying to do. I normally have my wide receivers maxed out and it's not really a point where there's tight ends that I'm heavily going for right there. So it just kind of works out in a way that makes sense. Okay. Well, yeah, that's nice to get a little bit of, of confirmation. I didn't hear you hate on any of these stacks. Maybe you were least enthused about the, uh, the Ram stack uh, with Stafford and those pass catchers. So, you know, that's kind of the top five uh, that I'm finding in my, my ownership. Are the, is there another stack that we haven't talked about uh, that you find yourself? Oh, there, I guess number six would be Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews. I'm not doing a lot of that because I don't like tight end and quarterback in the top five rounds. Uh, but there's been a couple times where a draft has kind of forced my hand. You know, maybe Lamar has fallen to the sixth uh, or Andrews was more of a value than I anticipated. And, and then, and then I gravitated towards it. But um, is there another stack that you would want to mention um, that you find yourself gravitating towards? This one's just so ridiculous, but what I have been doing at the complete end of drafts, is just grabbing like Mac Jones and something ridiculous like Jacoby Myers or like if Nelson Aguilar goes really late and I have like, you know, the, the, the roster spot for him trying to grab him and then like Mac Jones that that's just more for fun as a Patriots fan. But that is one of those like things that I don't think it's entirely like th there's some possibility that comes to fruition, but it's probably not worth, you know, running through anymore. So that's a three QB build, like final round, you yep. know, final two round uh, construct, which makes some sense if maybe you didn't have access to the type of structure that you preferred. Uh, any any other quarterback, you know, maybe in the top 12 rounds that you find yourself uh, wanting to stack, you know, maybe some. Uh, I'll just rattle a couple off, see yep. if any uh, appeal, um, you know, or do you find yourself interested in Allen with digs in round four? That one is extremely, I don't find myself doing it, but I do find myself extremely interested in it. 
Um, okay, so that's that's an expensive one. That's, you know, that's a really expensive, expensive one. one. Yes. Um, you know, then around five, you know, we talked about Murray and, and Hopkins. You've also got Dak now back up in, in round five because of, uh, you know, the confirmation with his health. Um, so, you know, you can talk a little bit about you know, CD lamb and Dak also a very expensive, expensive stack, but with Amari Cooper not being help, uh, very healthy, you also can, can go the other direction, land Dak early and then, you know, chase Michael Gallup in round nine, which I think, you know, that's pretty interesting to have access to two of the the primary weapons in Dallas uh, at those uh, costs of investment. For sure. And I don't know if we actually mentioned this when we talked through the notes uh, last episode, but it seems to be likely that we see Michael Gallup taking a lot of snaps out of the slot this year, um, which who knows, maybe those turn into something very high quality. Uh, you know, a lot of excitement about Dak coming back too. So I, I think just mentioning Gallup is probably a good thing to do, uh, you know, regardless of the stacking conversation. Yeah, I think if, I mean, if Amari misses significant time, I mean, while he's out, I think we would, I, I think we could agree at minimum Gallup would be like a top 30 wide receiver. Oh yeah. And his ADP yep. is wide receiver 42. I mean, potentially even a top 24 guy. Yeah. I mean, C- CD and Amari are both going in the top 14 at wide receiver, which is, seems crazy. Um, uh, yeah, it's pre- pretty nuts there. So, you know, Gallup would take a huge leap forward if Amari uh, stays out for you know longer than expected. Of course, you know, and, you know the last kind of really expensive ones uh, to mention would be like Devontae Adams with Aaron Rodgers um, or, you know, either Seahawks wide receiver with Russell Wilson. Um, find yourself on on those stacks at all. The Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson one is really interesting to me, especially in best ball, because uh, there's just going to be some weeks I think we're going to come out and he's just going to absolutely crush it. Uh, and then I just like that you can get a little bit of the reduced price there. And then obviously we've talked a lot about how people seem to, you know, not expect out of Tyler Lockett what they should. So I like that one as well. And and this is this is one that's kind of like it's more of a version of like the Derek Carr idea that I have, you know, with the Raiders. Um, except you have to pay more for the pass catcher. So everyone seems to have a favorite Steelers receiver. Um, but you you still, you know, regardless of who that favorite guy is their top three wide receivers are all going in the top 30. Yep. Uh, Deontay Johnson is wide receiver 22. Chase Claypool's wide receiver 26. And Juju Smith-Schuster's wide receiver 30. But you don't really hear any buzz about Ben Roethlisberger at all. Uh, he's going at QB 22 next to Daniel Jones. I'm, I'm presuming that that's due to, you know, concerns around health. Uh, but if, if we got a healthy full slate of games from Ben Roethlisberger and all of the Steelers uh, met their ADP expectations in terms of production. I mean, Roethlisberger would almost have to be a slam dunk at QB 22. Um, I haven't really, until we've had this conversation and that's the, you know, the value of the value of doing this pod uh, together. We, you know, we kind of get into these discussions. I mean, might be one of those things in, in the three QB build in particular where, you know, Ben Roethlisberger may make some sense if you find yourself on a Steelers wide receiver early. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the things I was actually, um, I had thought about mentioning it, um, but the Steelers are a team I always find myself wanting to talk about. So, I, you know, I thought we might have explored that enough. But yeah, I mean, I, I like it because 
Roethlisberger, I'm just seeing him going so late that like even in like redraft leagues, there's some appeal to me of just like waiting almost till the end of the draft and grabbing Roethlisberger and just, you know, having it doesn't even matter if I have the stack necessarily, but it's just kind of like a bonus because it's pretty easy to come out of one of these drafts with one of the Steelers wide receivers, which is another reason it's it's a stack that you can kind of fall into if it makes sense and it doesn't require much preparation because you really have like three decent chances of setting it up. And then with Roethlisberger, there's no cost to it. Yeah, and I mean, round 13 of, of drafts, I mean, I'll rattle through some of the names. It's pretty gross right now by ADP. Um, I think Corey Davis has some appeal at 13.01. That's his ADP right now. Um, but, but beyond that, I mean, you're talking J.D. McKissick, uh, Traquan Smith, Daniel Jones, Devontae Parker, Austin Hooper, Marvin Jones, James White, Philip Lindsay, Derek Carr, Sam Darnold. I mean, it's, it's a pretty dead round. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, that may be one I'm going to have to explore again. I think my primary strategy being a, a two QB, uh, structure is, is what I typically do, but in a three QB build, you know, if I find myself boxed out of, uh, you know, those earlier guys for whatever reason, based off of draft slot or just, you know, kind of a weird run in a draft or something, uh, I've made a note to myself here on Roethlisberger. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Hey, we, we covered like a third of the league, but we really honed in on, on six or seven offenses. It seems like, uh, that we're most interested in, um, actually thinking about the stack, you know, within the context of a draft. Um, otherwise, you know, and there's been some good work done on this. Um, there's so much analysis on stacks, but the amount of boost that they, that they give you um, it's, it's so dependent on, on so many things. I mean, and, and health is always that biggest question. Um, and just as much upside as a stack can offer um, it can also kill a team um, because, you know, if, if, if the quarterback in particular were to go down and the offense has to change, you know, significantly, you know, it also impacts the other player, it, uh, you know, dramatically in the stack to the point where you may no longer have, you know, an opportunity to even win the, win the league. And so that's some, sometimes, you know, a, a reason, you know, we're not forcing it uh, can make some sense. We have, we have a couple articles on, on stacking. They're very easy to find uh, on the site and I'll encourage you to check it out. We also have st- uh, many tools that allow you to explore stacks, uh, win rates on certain types of stacks and, you know, uh, cost of certain stacks all within our suite of best ball tools built by Mike Beers and still available on the site. So I would encourage you to check those out. Yeah. So one quick note on that too, is I think that uh, people might naturally have is questioning um, the applicability of best ball stacks to redraft leagues. Uh, And I would say that obviously it's not like a one for one way of looking at a redraft league, but a lot of the lessons that you can take away um, are pretty informative for how you might think about approaching a redraft league. It helps you to kind of get a sense of where in drafts, um, you know, you might want to think about, well, actually I'm kind of thinking now even just globally about using the best ball tools to inform your redraft pieces as well. But, um, in specific to stacking, it's just going to help you better understand the relationships and get a sense of like, uh, you know, if I do this, what could my payoff actually look like? How much of an mm-hmm. advantage does it, does it give? And I think that translates over pretty well. And then just because I get this question every once in a while about like, why don't you guys have some of that analysis uh, for redraft leagues? 
Um, there's a couple of reasons. The main one being that the waiver wire just throws trying to calculate these entirely out of base because you could pull just off of the original teams that are drafted. Um, but in lots of cases that doesn't really work out because the final product is so different from the original team that, uh, if you were trying to like calculate this stuff, it just, it's, it, it's just not, it's just not worth it. Well, yeah, that, and, and then redraft, um, it's so hard to start your optimal every week, whereas in right. baseball, your optimal is what's played. So even with the waiver wire, not being part of it, um, it's, it's rendered irrelevant by, you know, managerial decision-making, uh, with your star sits. So, you know, I think, I think that is a good thing, um, to hit. Um, and you know, the, the idea behind stacking and redraft leagues is really around what are those offenses that, uh, you could see yourself wanting to be tied to yep. and not being willing to cut a player for a hot waiver wire name. Um, beyond that, it, you know, it's probably overthinking. Right. Um, and then the other thing too, that you could do is if you, if you're feeling like pretty good about your quarterback and that you see that they're really doing well after their week one, week two performance, and you had some guys on like the back of your bench that you didn't like, you know, maybe you go and you, you add them from one of that quarterback's wide receivers or something. So like you said, you know, the, the whole function of that, it's a little bit different in redraft leagues. We had said, I think, that we might get into some tight end stuff, but I think we're going to save that for uh, Friday, Curtis. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds good, man. Let's uh, let's hit it up there because there's some interesting names that we need to get into, and you know we both love uh, playing tight end premium. Uh, so it's an important discussion to have. Uh, you know, tight end can be pretty boring in a regular PPR format, but when you add in the the tight end premium, you know things like you know winning the flex. And not just thinking about tight end in that roster spot, but also as a flex possibility, uh, it brings a lot more options and opportunities uh, into focus. And, you know, of course, tight end premium is the the preferred way uh, for me to play anyway, because I'm playing uh, the majority of, of my dynasty and best ball over at the FFPC. These days, you can check out all of their great offerings at myffpc.com, including their $550,000 total prize pool best ball tournament. Uh, just over 4,000 entries is all it will take uh, to fill that up. So when you think about a one in you know 4,300 chance or so at 100K, uh, with all the best ball tools that you have at Rotoviz, it's a pretty much a no-brainer uh, to at least throw one dart in there at 125 bucks. So I'd encourage you to check that out. Um, plenty of great content, uh, multiple articles a week that will help you build a great strategy and approach uh, for that tournament. And of course, Dave and I, you know, uh, talking about what we're doing in our own drafts, also a potential uh, edge for you as well as we, you know, we both perform well on that platform. So check it out, myffpc.com. And you will never be so excited about drafting a tight end 11, <laughs> tight end 12, tight end 13 <laughs> type of player as you will in these drafts. Trust me, you'll never look at tight ends the same. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at rotovizffshow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener-only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.